Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Nebraska Soccer Talk. I am your host, Joe Cleary. On today's episode, I am bringing back Recruiting Roundup. I'm also splitting up the scores and schedule segment into a high school segment and a college segment. I will also have some GEA UWS news to share with you, but most importantly, my interview this week is with Owen Godberson. Owen is a recent UNO graduate, but he is also the voice of Mav Soccer and was the radio commentator for the inaugural season of Union Omaha Soccer. Absolutely jam-packed episode with a brand new intro song from Adam and Reese P. Let's go! Having a new intro song is perfect for this week because I think it matches the excitement that is in the air with high school boys and girls soccer kicking off in Nebraska. Both Chase and I are excited to get out there and cover and interact with all of the players, coaches, and fans. Please continue to tag us in things on social media and share our tweets. The more everyone does that, the tighter the soccer community in the state becomes and the more exciting it is for everyone. Before I get into the high school portion of this podcast, I do want to give a disclaimer for today and all future days. Because I think youth sports can tend to make people do funny things. I've been involved as a coach, as a director, both at the high school and the club level. And I just think it's important that I say this. The reason we got the Nebraska Soccer Talk project going was to connect our great soccer community and give coverage to a sport that is often forgotten by others. Which is why we appreciate all of you who listen and engage with us positively. This past year has been hard on so many people. We have lost a lot. We were playing high school soccer for the first time since 2019. This project isn't going to be perfect. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to miss something we probably should have covered. Unfortunately, we do not have the ability, the resources, the money, or the time to cover every single event, every single player, and every single team. We are definitely going to try, though. So let's try to continue making this a positive experience for everyone, but most importantly for the players. We've had almost all positive interactions in our short history, but the negative interaction has been pretty disappointing for me personally. We hope to keep it positive. For me personally, through my job change and the pandemic, my perspective has shifted greatly, and I just don't have time for negativity when it comes to soccer. I love the game of soccer, and I know what it brings to people's lives and what's brought to my life, and I'm just like, it's not going to be in my life if it's going to be negative. As much as we want to have everyone involved, if you don't like our coverage, you don't have to be a part of it. So, Tune in, rate, review, subscribe, share, click on our website. But if you don't like it, don't. With that said, here's the brand new segment, High School Highlights. First, we will start with the high school boys soccer piece of things. Nebraska Soccer Talk was in person at two high school games this past week. Chase watched Scott defeat Westside 3-1. And I made a trip to the slaughterhouse yesterday to watch South Omaha defeat South Sioux City 4-0. Scott Catholic High had themselves a good week going 2-0. Along with their win over Westside, they also won 3-1 over a talented Lexington team. I believe Lexington was on their third game in three days, so I'm sure tired legs played a part in the result. But Scott so far has earned their nest preseason number one ranking early in this spring 2021 season. Lexington came in and defeated two metro area teams in Bellevue West and Papio South, so they are definitely a quality side. Honestly, this very well could have been a preview of the 2021 state championship game for Class B. Lincoln Southwest is another high school boys team who is 2-0, and they were one of our teams to watch this season. They defeated Grand Island and Millard West. Unfortunately, due to my work schedule, I'm not able to get over to Lincoln in the next couple of weeks to watch them play, but I've already circled Lincoln Southwest versus Scott on April 8th as a game I will be in attendance and covering. I was in attendance for Omaha South's game versus South Sioux City, I was excited to watch this because I do enjoy watching Omaha South's boys program and having coached club in Sioux City, I know the talent that South Sioux has at their disposal. This game was mostly one-way traffic, unfortunately. Omaha South looks like they haven't missed a beat post-pandemic. I highly recommend getting out and watching South play this year, whether they are playing against your team or in a matchup you think might be a good one. It's early and I haven't been to enough games to see other teams, but it was hard to find a weakness with the Packers. I'm not going to write off South Sioux City, though. I think they are a talented team, and I imagine they will do some work in Class B. However, they ran into an absolute monster of a team in Omaha South. South Sioux has a challenging schedule this spring with both Lexington and Creighton Prep coming up in the coming weeks, so it will be interesting to see what the future holds for them. A couple results and teams that were interesting to me before we move on to the girls' side of things, just looking through 
some things from this past weekend. Omaha Central played Creighton Prep close in a 1-0 loss in OT, and Lincoln High have had a solid start to their season. Word is that Jack Red is not suited up for Papio South yet, and a player like Jack can definitely make a difference for any team. I believe he is rehabbing an injury, so it is uncertain if or when we will see the Creighton commit make an appearance for the Titans. Shifting gears to the girls' side, and there were goals galore this past week with some top players filling up the score sheets, and unfortunately some lopsided score lines. I was in person for the Mercy High versus Bennington High game at College of St. Mary Field, where goals were at a premium compared to the other games. First of all, College of St. Mary has a great soccer field. Soccer-only turf right on camp- campus near the Ex-Arban area. Great field for high school teams that have the opportunity to use this spring. Both Mercy and Bennington were organized and hardworking. That has been Mercy's calling card since I have been in Nebraska. I thought Bennington had a little bit more individual talent. Specifically, I thought Mia Hurt was the best player on the field between either team. She scored a goal in the first half and threatened many other times in both the first and second halves. The win definitely played a factor in the game, and Bennington will rue that they were only able to score one goal in the first half thanks to a couple good saves by Mercy's goalkeeper and some unlucky near misses. Mercy ran out winners on the day 2-1, but it really could have gone either way. I have a feeling that both of these teams will be in the mix for a trip to Morrison at the end of the spring. One game that had a lot of goals but wasn't a lopsided scoreline was Ron Colley Catholic's 4-3 win over Elkhorn North. Talk about an exciting game. Ron Colley Catholic, behind a hat trick from Nebraska commit Abby Schwarz, was able to beat Elkhorn North and start the season 1-0. In other games, both Scott Catholic and Millard North laid down their markers and filled up their score sheets. Millard North's Campbell Zimmer scored four, while Sena Ahovisi scored three in their big win over Omaha North. Zimmers and Ahovisi are teammates for now, but will be opponents soon enough as one heads to USD and the other heads to UNO. Another future, future Mav, CeCe Barron, scored four for Scott Catholic in their big win over Bellevue West. Finally, we want to recognize Duchenne Girls Soccer, sitting at 3-0 after wins over Omaha Gross Catholic, Kearney High, and Burke High School. Their victories over Kearney and Burke earned them the Bellevue East Invitational title. A strong start for the Cardinals, who have a tough week coming up. Three games in four days with a possible battle of undefeated Class B teams with Scut on Friday afternoon. I look forward to covering more boys and girls soccer as the season progresses. Keep me in the loop on anything you want me to cover and any teams you want me to watch. We're going to segue into college talk by talking about some recent college commitments from Nebraska. As always, this week's recruiting roundup is brought to you by Sports Recruiting USA. Sports Recruiting USA are the world's leading experts on USA college soccer. For more information and to apply for a free film evaluation and college advice session, visit sportsrecruitingusa.com. Sports Recruiting USA, we help players, parents, teams, and coaches with all things college soccer. This one happened a couple weeks ago but because of timing, we didn't get to share it yet. Congratulations to Gavin McIntosh for committing to Division III program Buena Vista University. Buena Vista, located in Storm Lake, Iowa, competes in the American Rivers Conference. I'm a big fan of their coaching staff, and they have already raised the standard in the classroom, and I expect some growth here soon on the field as well. Gavin is a current player for St. Albert's and Council Bluffs and Sporting Omaha. Congratulations, Gavin. This week, Burke High School and Sporting Omaha goalkeeper Taya Baker announced that she is committing her academic and athletic future to Augustana University out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Augustana currently competes at the Division II level in the NSIC, but their school has plans in the works to make the move to Division I. Taya, a 2022 grad, is headed to a quality school, soccer program, and will be working with one of my favorite coaching staffs. Shout out Coach Barkas and Coach Spader. If you want to see some more of Taya's highlights, go ahead and visit her huddle page. Congratulations, Taya. Finally, this week, Deja Daniels from Bennington High School, signed with Dakota Wesleyan University out of Mitchell, South Dakota. Dakota Wesleyan competes in the GPAC, which many Nebraska fans will be familiar with. Deja has been a standout player for Bennington High and has also competed for Gretna Soccer Club, Omaha United, and Midwest Premier Academy. I followed Deja pretty closely when I was the head coach at Wayne State College, and Dakota Wesleyan is getting a quality player. Congratulations, Deja. Welcome to College Weekly. This used to be part of the Scores and Schedules segment, but with the start of high school soccer, I wanted to keep the college and high school updates separate. 
We'll start this week first with the NAIA teams in our state. On the women's side, Hastings College had an up-and-down week. First, they trounced Doan 6-0 with goals from Bennington alum Miley Prine and Blair alum Eva Dunker. However, yesterday they fell to receiving votes Mid-American Nazarene 4-2 with Columbus alum Sofia Gomez-Garcia getting her name on the score sheet. In other scores from the GPAC, Concordia fell to receiving votes Benedictine 1-0 in overtime. On the men's side, Hastings College also split their week 1-1, falling to number 2 Oklahoma Wesleyan 1-0 before bouncing back and beating Baker University 3-0. Outside of the GPAC, we need to talk about Bellevue University, who I missed in last week's recap, so sorry to all my Bruin fans and supporters out there. The Bellevue women are on a roll right now, having won eight straight, including two wins last week over College of St. Mary and Waldorf. Bellevue have a huge matchup next weekend versus Hastings and Papillion. Be sure to check it out. A win over Hastings and Bellevue could start getting recognition in the national polls. On the men's side, the Bellevue Bruins are getting recognition in the national polls. They're ranked 13th in the country. Despite a little bit of a hiccup against McPherson out of Kansas this weekend, where they drew 1-1, the Bruins are looking poised to make some noise in the AII tournament and the NAI national tournament. While we have certainly talked about the goal scorers for UNO and Creighton, Bellevue possesses a record setter in Anaki Aldeo, who has already set the single season goal scoring record and is two goals away from the career goal scoring record. Bellevue men play before the women this Saturday in Papillion against Midland. Go check Aldeo go for history and go check the Bruins as they are a top 15 team in the country now. To the Division II side of the state, the Wayne State College Wildcats had a good weekend last weekend at the Minnesota State Mankato Tournament beating both Augustana University and Upper Iowa. In traditional years, Augustana and Wayne State are travel partners, and Augustana has always been a team that Wayne State has been close to beating, but never quite been able to get past them. When I was there, it was overtime games, overtime games, one-goal games. So this is a great result for WSC and a good start for Emily Hester and Chris McNaughton at Wayne State. UNK has started their spring season 0-2, with a 4-3 overtime loss to Missouri Western and a 4-0 loss to a very talented Fort Hayes State team. Finally, to the Division One side of things. I was able to watch the UNO women's team play on live stream and the Creighton men's team play in person this last weekend, so I'll save my updates on them for the end. First, the Creighton women fell 2-1 in overtime at DePaul and then 4-0 at home to Butler. It's been a tough start to the Big East schedule for the Jays, and I'm sure they would have wanted to be in a better standing at this point. However... They did bounce back in a big, big way with a resounding 3-0 victory over Marquette University today. Head over to Creighton's Twitter to check out the highlights and the celebration afterwards. Spoiler alert, Creighton forward Skylar Heinrich is still really, really good at scoring goals. Heading over to Lincoln, the Nebraska women have had a little bit of a rocky start to their Big Ten schedule. The Huskers have not been able to generate any momentum or consistency to their results. They dropped games to both Northwestern and Illinois this week. We return to Omaha, where the UNO men are continuing their role. They have won five on the bounce, including a sweep this weekend over Eastern Illinois. The highlight from the Mavs this week was Kenji Mbamadam's free kick goal in the second game against Eastern Illinois. Go over to UNO's Twitter and check it out. It's a great curling free kick. Neil Ayats also got himself on the score sheet again. So Western Illinois swept Oral Roberts this weekend, which means the Summit League title race is wide open. And with five games left, it could be Oral Roberts, Denver, or UNO lifting the title at the end of the season. It's exciting stuff. Be sure to follow that uh, race all the way to the end. We will stay with the Mavs, but head over to the women's side. I had the opportunity to watch the UMKC-UNO game on live stream. Unfortunately, not exactly an exciting one for the neutral fan, as the game finished 0-0. I thought the Mavs had some good moments, but their attackers were just not clicking at the same time. Reagan Zimmers played well in the first half, Sophia Green played well in the second. She's a heck of an attacker. And both Grace Thede and Grace Ostergaard showed moments of brilliance that almost won the game for UNO at the end and in overtime. Thede is one of my favorite players to watch on Omaha because she has an impact at both ends of the field. She could play outside back really well. And then when maybe things aren't going well in the attack for UNO, the coaching staff makes a change and she just provides a different type of attacking element up there for the Mavs that they don't always have. Um, Margaret Levine and the UNO defense are so sound and organized that if the Mavs can get offense to click consistently, they're going to put themselves in a good position to make the Summit League tournament. And then they're going to be a tough out once they're there because the Summit League tournament's in Omaha. And I know Coach Tim Walters and the Mavs program want to be there. For UMKC, Emma Wilson was a monster in the midfield. 
The junior for UMKC should be familiar to Nebraska fans as she played for both Westside and Elite Girls Academy. Her ability at the youth levels to dominate a game has certainly translated to the college level, and she is a tough, tough player to deal with for teams out of the midfield. UMKC is a hardworking and organized squad. They just didn't get much going forward on Friday against the Mavs. Today, the Mavs did get back on the winning track. I wasn't able to watch the game, but I followed along on social media. It looks like Sophia Green found her rhythm. She scored both goals in today's 2-1 win over UMKC. Having been to Morrison for a women's game, I was pumped to use Saturday's nice spring day to take in Creighton and number 25 Marquette University. Creighton went down to 10 men early when Owen O'Malley was fairly sent off four minutes into the game. It was an unfortunate incident, but the call was correct by the official. O'Malley came in way high with his studs into the head of a Marquette player. Um, Marquette player was down injured for a decent amount of time, and the referee had no doubt. And honestly, when I saw the incident, I didn't have a doubt either. I was like, that has to be a red card, unfortunately. So after the match, though, Coach Torres was quoted by Creighton Sports Info as being proud of his team, and he honestly should be. I personally thought that even down to 10 men, Creighton was the much better team. They created the better, more dangerous chances, even though they didn't have as many shots. And they also played better soccer than Marquette during most of the times until they started to get fatigued, which is pretty um, like not surprising given uh, COVID and the lack of fitness being available to the players, but also being down to 10 men Um, at any level. It is difficult playing a player down, but especially at the D1 men's level. Marquette is a physical team, and I felt like they used that as a game plan to target certain players, particularly Diego Gutierrez. Creighton had a good result against Butler earlier in the week, and if they can stay healthy and recover from this past weekend, I have no doubt that they will have a good week next week against Xavier and then against UMKC in a non-conference game. When Creighton is clicking, they are an incredibly fun team to watch play soccer, and I would also encourage you to tune into them if you have a chance. That was this week's college roundup. Finally, before we get to the interview, I just want to talk about GEA, U, GEA's UWS team. Uh, definitely uh, go over to Gretna Elite Academy's website and give their Twitter account and YouTube channel a follow because we're going to be producing a lot of content. And by we, I, that is correct. I am going to be working with uh, GEA and their UWS team to produce content and create interviews and have interactions with the players. So stay tuned to this space because there's going to be some things in this space with some UWS players over this summer and in this spring. Um, the UWS team and Coach Marcus Kelcher have done a great job of forming some partnerships already in the community, and we look forward to providing a great level of women's soccer in the Omaha community. So be sure to check out when the schedule is. It's been released. Check out the roster, see which players you want to come watch, and definitely come support no matter what. All right, and finally to this week's interview. This week's interview and conversation is with Owen Godberson. Owen is a recent UNO graduate. He's been a consistent voice of Mavs soccer over the last four years. He was lucky enough to be the radio commentator for UN Union Omaha's inaugural season. Uh, I connected with uh, Owen over Twitter and both soccer fans, and so it was great to connect with him in person, and I think that he shares a lot of good insights both on Union Omaha, UNO, and high school soccer. Honestly, the interview is worth it just alone to hear him describe the atmosphere of the South prep state title game. And I'm also incredibly jealous that I don't have as good of a voice as Owen. So here he is, Owen Godberson. All right, today on the podcast, I'm welcoming on Owen Godberson. He's the voice of Union Omaha in the inaugural season. He's been the voice of the UNO Mavs men's and women's soccer teams. He's a recent graduate of the University of Nebraska Omaha, and he's also doing some, he has been and is currently doing some coaching in the Omaha area. So excited to have a, a soccer guy like Owen on. Owen and I connected through, through social media. I watched him or listened to him call a couple games. Um, was really impressed with the level uh, uh, for college broadcasting, um, just the setup that UNO has, but then also obviously the play-by-play and, and the, the color. And so, Owen, welcome on to Nebraska Soccer Talk. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. I, I've loved every episode so far. And, it's you know, from episodes of Weiler and, and Tim, some UNO legends, uh, a little bit of a drop-off in, in guest quality, I'd say. My buddies are giving me some uh, – 
some stick for it earlier, but I'm happy to be on. <laughs> no, no, it's great. We that like you're the type of guest you want to have on because we're trying to cover all areas of Nebraska soccer, giving people the voice and the spotlight that maybe don't normally get it. And we kind of talked about that and, and we'll touch on it a little bit later with soccer in general. But first of all, you're you're a Creighton prep grad. Um got a scholarship a good scholarship and an opera broadcasting opportunity at the university of Nebraska, Omaha. And your, your kind of goal is to get into media. So tell us about your journey starting freshman year at UNO. Yeah. So it actually, my journey with UNO broadcasting starts before I was even at UNO. Uh, I was my senior year in high school. I was at, I, I was looking at colleges. Uh, I was looking at Nebraska, UNO. I was looking at a couple of NAIA schools to, to go be like a backup third string goalkeeper at uh, just to say I played college ball, but, uh, I ended up meeting Jodine Brownlee and the then general manager of MAP Radio, uh, Noah Sollinger. And, you know, we were talking with them for a while because I knew I wanted to get into broadcasting. And they had told me that they desperately needed a soccer guy because UNO soccer had really started to pick up. And the teams were getting a lot better. There were, you know, a lot more people tuning in. So they needed like an out and out soccer broadcaster instead of just a generic, you know, jack of all trades broadcaster. And, uh, that was the perfect opportunity. I ended up getting a really good scholarship to the Goodrich uh, scholarship program at UNO, ended up getting a vast majority of my college paid for, and I will be forever grateful to that. They gave me the opportunity to, you know, Goodrich gave me the opportunity to, to graduate from college with relatively little debt, and, and MAV Radio gave me the opportunity to just develop myself into a well-rounded broadcaster and, a, you know, not to toot my own horn, a, pre- a pretty decent soccer broadcaster too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, while you were at UNO, did you have to step in and cover any other sports or were you just soccer all the time? So I actually did a lot of hockey. I So okay. hockey is my favorite, the second favorite well, sport. Well, you know, you're speaking to a University of North Dakota uh, hockey fan, so. <laughs> uh, nobody I, hope we could, I hope we can continue the interview. <laughs> I'm hope I'm hoping we will see you guys again in the NCAA tournament. It was disappointing us losing to Denver in the opening round. Um, but no, I did a lot of UNO hockey games. I So it's actually funny. I don't think I ever broadcasted a UNO North Dakota game because I love that rivalry so much. I wanted to be in the stands for it. I wanted to be in the student section. The weekend I turned 21, we hosted North Dakota uh, January of, what would that have been? Yeah, I was, I, I, I was there. I was there. <laughs> and we ended up splitting the series. I think we got like the one, the night I turned 21, we got the win which was awesome because <laughs> I then went and celebrated happy hour at DJ's right next to Baxter. As, as one um, does. <laughs> yep. And was just getting shot after shot after shot from UNO fans that, cause we were all, it was like half green and black and half of it was UNO colors. And it, it was just a really fun time. I love the UNO hockey program. Uh, I've done baseball. I've done basketball. Uh, I'm trying to think what I, I've done a little bit of volleyball. Volleyball is a really intense sport to call courtside, mainly because I'm always afraid someone's going to ding me in the head on like a misplayed serve. And it's a good thing I'm a goalkeeper, so I can maybe react to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you're a little bit further away from the soccer field during uh during when you're calling soccer games. So, tell us about your journey from like day one to you're coming up on your last day as a UNO soccer broadcaster what has been what have been some of the challenges or the growth growth experiences you've experienced as a young broadcaster i i think the most important lesson i learned very early on this was my first year uh, as a broadcaster was the derby in 2017 the record setting attendance at coniglia uno creighton one nil creighton win off uh is it lopez espen that got the game winner i think yeah, a, it was a little controversial because of the foul. They didn't play exactly it out. The controversy there, because I I had said something about it being poor sportsmanship. I called it out because, you know, I'm biased towards UNO. I was a season ticket holder for UNO up until I became a UNO student. Like, my dad and I were at every single game at Coniglia for five years before that. I was actually thinking about that the other day where it's like, of the – I don't even know how many games there are at Coniglia so far. I think I've been to about 90 of them, like 90% of them. Jeez. Just so many moments in Coniglia Field. So, you know, I did call with red, uh, with red tinted glasses on. And yeah. funny, I got, uh, I got heckled on Twitter by none other than Minnesota United and former USMNT player and former Creighton Blue Jay, Ethan Finley. 
who <laughs> called me a clown, who said I knew nothing about the game of soccer. Uh, and, you know, I reached out to him. We had a, I had a nice conversation. He gave me some constructive criticism after, you know, memeing me in front okay. of the world to see. Um, and, that, and that was a good early opportunity for me to learn not only that as a broadcaster, you should like you should be unbiased. Uh, you should call right down the middle. Um, but what I also started to develop in my broadcasting game was depending on who's hiring me or depending on whose stream I'm on, that affects how biased I am towards that team. So I've done Bellevue University games. I've done Union Omaha games, UNO soccer, et cetera, et cetera. If it's just a neutral stream, like for the USU soccer, I went straight down the middle. But if like Bellevue's hiring me or if I'm doing a UNO game, I usually go about 60, 40, because I know a lot of the fans are going to be UNO fans. Right. And I want to give them that sound bite. I want to, you know, I want to play towards the crowd a little bit. That's the pro wrestling fan in me where I want the crowd to be <laughs> to be on my side. But no, that was an early opportunity for me to learn, uh, to learn A, how to better uh, perform on the air and how to better um, handle controversial situations, I, I guess. Yeah. But also uh, that it was an early opportunity for me to learn that in this business, you are no, not everybody's going to like you. Mm-hmm. people are always going to say something negative about who you are and you just got to let it roll off your shoulders and you got to have a short memory with it if you make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, like off of that a little bit, what would be your advice to someone who's like 17 year old you? So four or five years ago, what's your advice? Don't grow your hair out for two years. That's the number one. I did that for a while and that got to be too much maintenance, but no, seriously, the, uh, the actual advice I would give would be do a little bit of everything as much as you can. Cause that's one of my biggest UNO regrets is that I didn't do more play-by-play of volleyball or basketball or baseball. Um, I did color for a lot and I did play-by-play for a few, but okay. really just to, to dive in head first and to really get as much diversity on your resume and your portfolio as you can because that looks so much better coming out of college than you know I have I've been blessed with so many opportunities to lead broadcast for soccer and uh, unfortunately in the United States there's not much uh, there's not many places that are hiring full-time soccer broadcasters but to get as much on your demo tape as possible and get a variety of it. Good, good. And that's what we're hoping. That's why we wanted to have you on here is to kind of give you a little bit of a, you know, more of a spotlight for what you're trying to do, but also so you can educate others on wanting to follow the same path. Um, So speaking of kind of your demo tape and making more of your opportunities, um, tell us the story about how you became the inaugural uh, commentator for Union Omaha. So it started as most stories in the past year and a half uh, tend to do. It all started when COVID shut everything down. Uh, I was looking forward to, you know, my, my super senior year, my last ride, my victory lap, whatever you want to call my fall semester this year to wrap up college. Uh, most importantly, I was looking forward to one last season with the UNO men's and UNO women's programs because those two programs I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, always I'm going to have love for, for the Maverick soccer teams. And when COVID shut everything down and essentially canceled both of those seasons, I was understandably heartbroken, but I wanted to fill that void somehow because I knew Union Omaha was playing through my good buddy out in the front office, uh, Jack Yates, who's in charge of their media team. He's, he's a fantastic guy. And I loved working with everybody in the front office of Union Omaha. They told me, that they were looking at me for a PA announcer to, you know, be on the intercom or be on the loudspeakers at, at Warner Park and everything. And I was talking to them out there and I asked them, do you guys have like a radio partner? Are you guys looking for a radio broadcast? And they said, well, you know, with the inaugural first season and with COVID and we're not going to have the finances to, to, you know, hire a full-time broadcaster, like do a like professional radio station, I guess I should say. So they were like, we would need something, uh, relatively cheap. And I said, well, it just so happens I'm the sports director of a relatively cheap college radio station that's almost silent right now besides music. So uh, I talked to my to one of my best friends in the world, Jack Hoover, who's been calling games with me for the past three years. Him and I have been playing soccer together for the past six. And 
we realized that we were already going to buy season tickets to Union Omaha games. We already wanted to be at every game uh, for the Owls out of their first season at Warner Park. So we were like, well, we might as well save the money and build our demo tapes, build our resumes a little bit and have some fun with it. So we offered our services for Mav Radio and, and Union Omaha as, as their radio partner for the first season. And it could not have gone any better. That first season was electric. It was so much fun. It was some of the best soccer I've ever called. And it was just nice that in all of that uncertainty and heartbreaking isolation in COVID, it was nice to see socially distanced fans out at Warner Park enjoying the beautiful game on, I mean, it was, it was so much fun. I loved it. Yeah. And then they exceeded expectations. I mean, I would say, right. For a first year club. I mean, I mean, I know, I mean, you obviously got to watch uh, college teams coached by Jay Mims, but uh, not a surprise that he's, (laughs) <laughs> doing continuing success at, at this level either you know yeah not not a surprise at all that the uh, jay mims side uh was good and competitive at the top of the table relatively quickly after after starting up as a program we saw that with uno with, where i think since they have been eligible for the postseason they've made every summer league championship game and yeah. even winning the summer league tournament in 2017 at coniglia which was an amazing day but i knew that this Jay Mims side, he he knows how to build a program from scratch. I knew instantly as soon as I saw that he was going to be the head coach, I'm like, all right, this is going to be competitive. They might not win the league straight up, that, you know, they might be upper mid table or pushing towards the top of the table, but this team will be competitive. They will win some games and they will knock off some really good opponents. And that is exactly what they did. And they exceeded that expectation by making the final. Yeah. And I'm excited for this summer. Hopefully as COVID starts to dissipate and we start to get a little bit sense of normalcy back, I'm excited to go out to Warner Park and watch some games. Um, So flipping over to that, the future, um, kind of, and also talking about the teams that, you know, you, you hear me talk about union or UNO, um, how do you feel about the status of the Mavs soccer teams right now on the men's and the women's side? Uh, I'll start with the women's just because I've done so many of those games. And I, I actually work with one of the women's soccer players, Avery Howard, uh, at Mav radio and the, okay. uh, women in media club at UNO, they do amazing work. And I'm really proud of everything she's done so far. And I, I'm, I couldn't be prouder of this program right now because, you know, we were talking before we went on air about uh, how good of a coach Tim Walters is and, and how good of a guy he is, obviously. But, you know, for a long time, in 2019 especially, Tim Walters' def- teams were always defensively very sound, very capable. They were always in games. And they just struggled at times to get that one goal that would get them the three points or to get them the result against a non-conference opponent. They were always in it. They just, there was, I think an eight or nine game stretch where every single game that they had was a one nil result. And it was, I think six or seven losses and two wins, maybe in that uh, stretch of one nil games. And now to see them finally clicking in the offensive third as well, while staying uh, defensively very sound, you know, I, that Hannah Heineman with two braces already this season, if I'm remembering right. Um, The amazing graces have obviously been (laughs) playing on the field. I I always love Red Army's nicknames that that he throws out for players. Uh, Oh, dude, it's it's funny because it's like if you're a a women's soccer player in high school and your name is Grace and you're good, you're probably just going to end up at UNO because they got like four of them. (laughs) Yeah, I would not be surprised if in the next – two seasons, three seasons, the entire starting 11 for century. <laughs> but no, just to see them uh, picking up results, and especially with them hosting the conference tournament this year, uh, if they can make that conference tournament, and if they can make top four and actually qualify for a tournament that they hosted, we saw what that did for the men's team in 2017. And I've said it before, I will say it again until it happens. It is not a matter of if Tim Walters is going to win a Summit League championship with this program. It is a matter of when. Tim Walters is going to win a summer league title with this program. And then flipping it over to the men's side, I mean, they're flying right now. Uh, the game actually, I think, just wrapped up a little bit ago. I think it was a 2-0 result over Eastern Illinois. But this team uh, that Bob Warming has put together after losing one of, if not their most important offensive players in, the, in Diego transferring to Creighton, 
to have them bounce back the way that they have and to have them be picking teams apart routinely is so much fun to watch. I've gotten to do a couple of their games so far. I haven't done a women's game yet. It just hasn't lined up with my schedule, but I desperately, desperately want to. And to, the men's games that I've called have all been just master classes. And it's been driven by two real, real talented players uh, in the attacking third, Nil Ayat at the number 10 spot and Hugo Kamatani at the number nine. Those two have probably the best attacking partnership that we've ever seen at UNO, maybe. Which I know is, that which might, is uh, I know a, that might something. be a statement. And I know that like Elvir and Hamzat uh, and even Moulton and Rookwood going back to the early <laughs> days, like those were some fantastic teams. And those those strike partnerships were incredible. But there is something about Ayat and Kamatani playing together that is just artistic out there. And I'm loving every single second of it because we were talking about it earlier. You try to you try to shut Hugo Kamatani down for a game, and you might be able to. Someone else like Neil Ayat or Ed Port or Tevin Rochester or Kenji Mbamadem, who I think both of them got their first goals today for the Mavericks, uh, they're going to pick you apart. And to see this program playing the way they are under Bob Warming is just awesome to see. And I cannot wait to see them with a full season. Yeah, and I uh, and there are t- I mean. It's an interesting take from you. I don't know if I disagree with it, but like, it's going to be interesting to see how it finishes out for those, for those attackers. Cause I mean, they are so sharp. They're so good. I was talking about this with Jack before the, I think it was the second game of the Western Illinois series, or it might've been after the second game of the Western Illinois series after they won four one. And we were looking at Hugo Kamatani's stats, the single season record, uh, single season goal scoring record for, UNO is held by Elvira Bistovich, who scored nine goals in 18 games or 16 games or something in the 2017 right. season. They went on to win the title, um, which is a really good, like for a striker, yeah. a goal every other game. That's pretty solid. Especially, and, in the and, summit, especially in the Summit League where the soccer can be tend to, tend to be defensive at times. So Exactly. When you're playing up against the likes of, of Eastern Illinois and Oral Roberts and Denver, who are not going to allow many silly mistakes and, and not going to let you get many chances on goal. Um, Hugo Kamatani is already at five and they still have off the top of my head, five more games to play, including the UMKC game that they rescheduled. And this was a shortened season. So he's playing 10 games and he might break Elvier's record in a half a season. Which is crazy. Right. And he seeing what he could do in a full season, the all-time leading goal scorer record in program history is Vance Rookwood at 19 goals. Kamatani's already 25% of the way there, and he's, all, he's only played half a season. Right. The dude is just an out-and-out goal scorer, and I knew as soon as I saw that he was announced on the roster, I was like, that is the center forward that this team has been needing for years, and they are going to click. And, oh, I, he exceeded every expectation and blew us all out of the water, yeah. especially his performance against Creighton. Yeah, so like I was watching their UMKC game, which obviously wasn't wasn't great, like three one. But the diving header he scores, I'm like, I was like, hold on, like that's a really really good goal. Like that's a really that's good a goal. Forward goal. Yeah, so I'm like, I can't wait to see what this guy's got. And then against Creighton, you know, two good finishes. Like, and that's the thing that's underrated sometimes about those strikers is yeah, they score those great goals, but then they score the goals they're supposed to. And he did that against Creighton, and that that was the difference. And should have had a hat trick, obviously. Um, and, uh, but like, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm excited. I, I do like, I do like them as a strike partnership, but I also appreciate their two huge center backs. Um, cause they're monsters. <laughs> they are. coming center back partnership and an unsung hero, uh, on the back line. And I have to give him credit. Gonzalo Ledesma. Um, when he first signed with UNO, I will hand, I will hold my hand up and admit I expected very little. I thought it was going to be another one of those like class B or like even class A signings for UNO, like a local product. Like I thought it was just going to be a one dimensional, very strong, very, you know, aerial threat center back, but not as tactically and technically sound as he is. Gonzo has proved me wrong in every single aspect and he has just He's awesome. Uh, and and Gonzalo's South, South Sioux City, right? 
Mm -hmm. And to see those three on the back line combine perfectly. I'd seen Fitzroy before uh, at Iowa Western, and I played a couple of pickup games with him. And I knew that he was a very solid player. (laughs) And I knew that he was going to slot in really well on the back line. And then I knew nothing about Dennis. Neither did I. I saw saw the signing and I was like, oh, I don't know that name at all or who that could be. And he is a rock at the back. He, the one mistake he's made so far this season was that penalty down in UMKC. And other than that, this back line has been relatively flawless because the one other goal they've conceded in conference play was to a wonder goal from, I think it was Ryan Dubois from, from Western Illinois. It might have been Luke DeBall. Um, but there, I mean, you're going to put Virgil van Dijk and Sergio Ramos with the center back partnership there. Neither of one of them are going to stop. That was a world-class, even like uh, Pollard is a very good goalkeeper and he has really developed nicely in the last couple of years. And I'm so happy to see him out there and playing well, even on his best day on any goalie's best day, you're not getting, that's one of those shots that, that you just kind of got to tip your cap to and just go, yep, fair enough. <laughs> so uh, taking up to the next level past the Mavs, what do you think? Uh, what are you expecting from the Owls? Like what can, how do they follow up last season? I'm excited to see the, the new additions that we've had on this team uh, for Union Omaha. I, did, I don't remember seeing much of the, of the Red Wolves last season, but I know that, that Hurst and Doyle are two very good players and they could add a lot in the attacking third. I don't know how they're going to all fit into an 11. It's the same problem that, you know, say a, a PSG have where you have all of this attacking talent it's tough to get them all out on the pitch at the same time and find the right combo. Um, but I know those two are very good. Blake Malone, the new guy they just signed, uh, former North Carolina player. I don't know much about him, but he looks to be a very solid center back from what I have seen so far. And he looks to just be a rock at the back that, that could help us a lot. And in a season where defensively they were pretty sound, I mean, there were a couple of mistakes and, you know, a couple of, a couple of times where you just kind of shake your head and just go, what was that? But that's any defense. That's any team in the world is going to make those mistakes. So I'm excited to see what you and you have. If I, if I had to pick one player that I'm most excited to see, it would probably be Damio there because I love a good dynamic attacking fullback, which is why I love CVC, which is why, <laughs> you know, Briley Meyer and Katie Gould at UNO in their first season that, as the fullback great, position. Great, great, great Stevie now. Yeah, and CD is slotted in there. Re- like, I, I love a good fullback, and Damio Villadere is, is one of those fullbacks that is able to go up and down the flank for 90 minutes and not tire and still, you know, we saw, I don't remember what game he scored in last year, but it was the first game back from injury. He slotted it through on a 1v1, and I, I love a good attacking fullback. I also really, really love Devin Boyce as a player. That run that he had to set up Conway's winner against um, blanking, I think it was Fort Lauderdale or Orlando, one of the teams. I can't remember who that just world-class run out on the right-hand side clipped it in. Boyce and Via there are two players that I, I, I can't wait to see back out on the pitch. Yeah, and I can't wait for them to be able to play in front of fans. I think that's just going to be so cool. And it just like – and kind of leading into like what I want to talk about next is Omaha is such a cool soccer culture that I has don't even think has – even hit close to its like peak. Um, what are some of your favorite things about like the no- Omaha, Lincoln, Nebraska soccer culture? Like mine, I've always loved the high school state tournament. Even when I was a women's coach, I would stay for the boys games just out of pure entertainment and watching the passion. You know, I was lucky enough to be at the Creighton UNO game that was, you know, sell out tons of fans. Um, but I know you're born and raised in Omaha. So what would have been your favorite parts of the Omaha soccer culture uh, from, you know, your youngest ages to now your, now your age right now? I've always been partial to the American Outlaws, uh, the USMNT and U.S. Women's National Team Supporters Group. I've been going to Barrett's Barley Corn here in town with, with AO since I was 14, going to games, watching games nice. down there. Um, but when you say Omaha and Nebraska soccer culture in general, I think it is, you know, every May going down to, as Jack calls it on, Jack called it on our bug eaters broadcast, uh, the Wembley of Nebraska down at Morrison stadium. And the first image that pops into my mind is my freshman year at prep, uh, 
prep going for their third straight state title, South going for their first ever state <laughs> title. I think South was unbeaten. 8,200 people jam-packed into Morrison Stadium. And there's a beautiful shot somewhere in the World Herald archives of right down the middle of Morrison Stadium. It is on the South side, all red and black. And on the prep side, it is all blue and white. And it is like a line in the sand has been drawn between the two benches, between the two coaches. And it was the greatest night of soccer I think I've ever experienced live in person, barring going to see Man City at the Etihad. And, you know, yeah, prep lost that game. Deservedly so. South That South team was amazing, and they deserved to be nationally ranked. And they were so much fun to watch. But just looking around that stadium, six months, seven months before that, I think it was Morrison had hosted a U.S. women's national team against, had less, against Sweden. Had less play, people there for that game. Yeah. For a <laughs> high school boys game to watch a bunch of 17-year-olds play for the pride of their communities was amazing and the game was on a knife's edge the entire way and it was you know I've been playing for probably about four years at that point since I was about nine I was about 13 at the time and you know I've been watching uh kind of just casually though like I knew I liked soccer I knew it was my favorite sport but it was that night that I really fell in love with everything about this sport on the field tactics off the field passion emotion what it means to communities and that I you say it hasn't reached its apex yet and I hope not but the fact that if if that game is our apex that's a pretty good apex (laughs) yeah that's that's incredible and I was lucky enough to be on the touchline uh being the goalkeeper coach for prep in 2019 for a rematch between prep and south where it wasn't quite yeah I was at that game that was still pretty sweet (laughs) I, I want to say it was about six, seven thousand. Yeah. yeah. Like a really good crowd. Prep and South always show out for those fixtures. Um, and when you're in the student section, when you're in the stands, it is one, like you can still relatively hear who's next to you because it's not like all of that noise isn't directed at where you are. Right. I was standing on the touchline and I at, genuinely at points in the game, I had my back, I had the backup goalkeeper, uh, Michael Pallison right next to me. He was standing probably about like two feet away from me. I could not hear a word he was saying. It was that loud at Morrison Stadium. And that was with 1,000 less people than there was in 2013. Yeah. I can't imagine what it was like for Hoover, Swanee, and Moss on the touchline that day. Oh, I, I mean, like how you just described it gave me goosebumps because like that's just – it's like that's what you want to see. And that's why the state tournament is so, so awesome. Because um, even like – like you said, it was like less than the first – the first time they played, but still 6,500 people. And then there, there'll be the state championship games that might even not be between two rivals. That'll draw three to 4,000 mm-hmm. people. And obviously, you know, we're spoiled. I've said it on the podcast before, you know, the state tournament could be held at Canigli and it would be a great facility, but, and Morrison obviously has, it's a little bit more tenured, but, but like we're lucky in Omaha, we have two great college facilities to watch soccer at. <laughs> we're spoiled. <laughs> I, I have said it before on broadcast. Uh, that if you could take the ambiance, the view, every the layout of Morrison Stadium, and you put Caniglia's pitch on it, it would be hands down yeah. the best yeah. facility in American soccer. Not just college soccer. Uh, like the way when you're sitting in the North Berm uh, behind the goal and looking down on downtown Omaha, it's, it's a beautiful view. And I love Caniglia. Caniglia's view from the press box, is beautiful because you look out over especially during the fall especially during the fall with the leaves and yep it's great it's amazing especially from the view up top i love it we we're spoiled with two great facilities but as much as i love caniglia the state tournament is historically is it is now and it always should be Morrison Stadium because that's the road to to morrison yeah every single team wants to play at at the end of the season and I love Caniglia, but the way that Morrison allows the, the fans to surround the pitch on all sides, it just creates a, an atmosphere that is indescribable. Yeah. And the design is perfect. The design of that stadium is perfect because of, like you said, you can get all the, you can have fans all the way around and it doesn't even have to be a crowded game to have fans all the way around. And it doesn't have to be a crowded game to create a good atmosphere. 
So it's like big enough where you can spread out if you if there's not a full packed house, but it's also small enough where you can really create an atmosphere. So it's it's pretty special. Um, you've called bug eaters games. What, what's your, what's your thought? We haven't really touched on the bug eaters on this podcast, and I don't want to leave them out, but I, I don't really know much about them. I haven't heard much from the bug eaters in a long time. Uh, my experience with with Jonathan and the front office of the bug eaters was nothing but positive. I loved working with them. Um, and I thought it was just a really fun way to get, you know, to get college players, uh, not only more recognition and more exposure, but more minutes and, you know, playing with other guys from around the league. I remember, you know, Diego playing for the bug eaters. He was awesome to watch CBC, but also guys like Carlos Ferrer and uh, Roger De La Villa, I think from Concordia, like some fantastic yeah. players. Uh, Jack Ara as well. Like those guys were so much fun to watch because they clicked so well. I remember there was a game against the, I think it was Boulder FC, and it was a twelve nil something. Oof. Yeah, and the like the bug eaters showed out and they just scored goal after goal after goal, and it was electric to watch. Manny Lira, I think, had a hat trick in that game as well. Who was you know a late addition to the Union Omaha roster. Uh, I have a bug eaters training top and, and polo around here that I still rock around town because, you know, that they are a part of the Omaha soccer community as much as Union Omaha, as much as the college programs, as much as the Omaha Kings who are in the in, in, yeah, indoor, indoor. Yep. who are I'm, I'm doing commentary for them in the next couple of months. And it's a beautiful mix. You say you're a North Dakota hockey fan. It's a mix between yeah. soccer and hockey. I, I need to check out a it's game. Amazing. It is amazing to watch. And they have some fantastic players. Uh, Manuel Viel, their guy in the front office, he's doing a lot of work to get that club out there. So there's a 2021, 2022 could be an absolutely massive year for Omaha soccer. And I'm hoping yeah. to be a very small part of it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm hoping that you stay a part of it and are able to catch on. I think like, I think there's a lot of good opportunities out there for whether it's clubs or, you know, the schools to give someone like you a chance to have an actual soccer guy calling soccer games is is what we want. And that's how you move the game forward. Just like this podcast, we're trying to talk more about soccer. That's what we want to do. Like, that's why we want you doing broadcast some games. So flipping things a little bit. Um, born and raised in Omaha. We brought that up. Let's talk a little bit about the city. Cause like I have always, I've, I've traveled to Omaha. Uh, this year was my first UND UNO hockey series. I haven't been to in 10 years. I went to the last one last year, which was like the last event before COVID shut everything down. And I've, I've, Omaha is like my home away from home. I was actually born in Omaha when I was, you know, and I spent a year and a half here when I was really, really little. So what I put out a tweet a long time ago and got roasted for it. I brought it up on the podcast a number of times, ranking my favorite pizza places that I had not been to all of them yet. And people didn't read that qualifier and I got ratioed. So what are, what are some of your favorite, what's your favorite pizza place? Cause you told me off air that you had one. Uh, I knew this question was going to come up. I have, <laughs> I, I, so I work at a hotel, so I always have to have restaurant recommendations right away for people. And I always do because I'm a foodie. There's so many good eats in Omaha. Uh, favorite pizza place. I, I lived across the street from them for probably about four months. And I, I taste these pizza for so long. Tasty's pizza off of 55th okay. and Leavenworth, right by UNO's campus. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's good pie. It's thin, it's thin crust. So like, if you're a Chicago style pizza fan, um, I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> I, I, pizza's pizza to me. It depends on what mood I'm in, but all pizza is good pizza. And yeah. I, I love tasty pizza. It's the best place in town for my money. I always send people there. All right. uh, it's actually funny. You mentioned this, my, uh, my buddy, Matt Kirkle and I at map radio, we, have a two-time hopefully knock on wood uh three-time award-winning pizza podcast that we did for one of our classes uh called the slice of heaven where we like just rank pizza places in omaha so we've oh. done zeo's we've done lighthouse uh tasty's noli's in blackstone yeah. is pretty good but yeah for my money tasty pizza in omaha is the best yeah all right that's that's good that's one we haven't heard before i haven't been there yet see like that's a thing like i I gotta go i I gotta go i eat pizza like once a week which probably isn't the best but it's if you're looking for a good burger too and this was yeah i was gonna ask you that because you asked you said about off off air too i love uh, when i was a kid i used to always go to uno hockey games and 
before games, we would stop by Dinker's Bar and Grill off. The oh, yes. <laughs> Dinker's Burgers is the best in town. Get the hat trick burger. I, I always get into fights with people. Uh, I had an ex that was from Bellevue, and we would always get into it, whether Stella's or Dinker's is better. And I've had both. Stella's is very good. Stella's is an exceptional burger. But Dinker's is just it, – it's better in my mind. The onion rings combined with the burgers, it's mwah, perfection. I, would, I, I haven't been to Dinker's in, like, four or five years. But, like, what – yeah, you're right. Like, it's – it is – their burger is good. It's probably one of the first places I – I, I went out in Omaha that was different than maybe like chain restaurants or anything like that. Um, so and here, here's the test of a good restaurant nowadays with COVID is how good their food is when you get it home from takeaway yeah. and takeout and Dinker's onion rings and burgers. It's probably about a 15 minute drive from my house. Still it's, good. <laughs> it's, oh, it's amazing. It's even, it's even amazing when I get home and that's how, you know, the food is good if it travels well. That's, that's a, hey, that's great. Cause that's what, that's, that's honestly probably the best point of a food review right there. You know, food is good if it travels well. I haven't heard that before. So um, the last thing where or before, before we wrap it all up, what's your favorite place to watch a soccer game? You said you've been going to the barley corn. Uh, mm-hmm. What other places have you watched games at that you've enjoyed? I, I've been to Barrett's. God, I can't even count how many times at this point uh, <laughs> to watch games. Uh, St. Andrews in, in Benton. I, is I live right down the out. street from St. Andrews. So I would go to, uh, I don't know how to say it in German, but the beer house just down the street. Bar- Barchen. Yeah. yeah. I'm a Liverpool supporter. So I'll be, I'll be hitting that up. <laughs> yeah. As a city supporter, I'm always like Liverpool sca- fans scare me to go down there. <laughs> if, I'm wearing, if I'm wearing my city kit, I, I'm afraid of, of getting heckled and everything on the way in, but I'm trying to think other good places in town. The corner kick is a good one. A Boca Cantina in, uh, in Black, is Blackstone? No, it's Midtown. Um, or yeah, with, uh, I, I went and watched a couple of Union Omaha games down there, which was, nice. which was awesome when they were on the road. Uh, favorite place to watch it live as much as I am partial to Caniglia. Uh, the best day of my life so far has been seeing uh, Man City Everton at the Etihad on New Year's Day in 2020. So I started the worst year ever off pretty well. <laughs> and then it, like it in cliche fashion, when people always say it can only go downhill from here, down. it completely went downhill. <laughs> uh, I got back from my England and Ireland trip probably about a month before, actually probably about two weeks before we even, like I'd ever heard of COVID-19. Yeah. And then within two, three weeks, campus was shut down. And I was like, well, at least I started the year off well. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Before I let you go, where can people find you? Because like you're a, you're hopefully a shooting star in the broadcasting world going forward. And where can people sample more of your work, or where can people hear you live? So for right now, I have a couple of games coming up with MavRadio.fm. So go ahead, follow them on Twitter at MavRadioUNO. Uh, MavRadio.fm is the website. You can listen there or on the TuneIn app. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Owen underscore Godberson. Uh, same with Instagram, just my name, Owen Godberson. You should be able to find it pretty easy. Uh, you can find all of my like past calls, demo tapes, all that good jazz on my YouTube channel. It's just, I'm pretty sure Owen Godberson as well. Uh, I, I'll have it linked on my Twitter bio as well here in the next couple of days. And uh, yeah, hopefully after that, ESPN, Fox Sports, NBC. <laughs> there we go. Uh, my friends, a couple of them have, have dubbed me the American Peter Drury. So I will take that because he's my favorite commentator in the world. I'm hesitant. To put that on social media, though, because hopefully I get to work with a man one day. Yeah, and, uh, then you don't want to be like pompous. Yeah, I don't want to be like the American Peter Drury. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have those links in our episode description too. And make sure you tune into some of those games. Um, Owen, thanks for coming on. It's been good to good to meet you. Owen's the first guest on this podcast that I had not known previously, so I think it went pretty well. And hopefully, we can have you come back on and talk probably i'll probably have you back on during the union omaha season to to talk more union omaha uh and I, probably recap the uh, uno seasons i'm always down to talk soccer as a matter of fact uh my family my friends and my girlfriend all uh find it annoying when i go off on soccer tangents and they don't really know yeah I would say, uh, I, my girlfriend might be the same and uh that's why we <laughs> that's why we need covid uh covid to end and so you and i can 
catch up in person and have a few beverages and chat about how Liverpool is better than uh, Manchester City. Uh, it depends on the day. <laughs> Not this season. Not this season. Better pleasure, man. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to Nebraska Soccer Talk. Uh, the episodes are going to get longer for a little bit here on out because we have high school soccer, college soccer. I want to get an interview on every week if I can um, to keep things interesting for our listeners. Uh, really appreciate the support that the podcast and our social media account is getting. We're over a thousand followers on Twitter. We probably saw like a 500 person growth over the last two weeks. So keep sharing, keep liking, keep retweeting. If you want to or, and can like, donate and help us, uh, have more resources so we can do more with the podcast and do more with Twitter and do more with covering the games. Cause we love Nebraska soccer and we want to keep covering these players and these teams because they deserve it. Everyone have a good week.